Hey, it's From the Hip Day. How are you, Mish? Yeah, pretty good, Kath. Busy, busy. Yeah. Does it, don't get sick of people saying, oh, I'm so busy. Yeah, we're all fucking busy. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How am I? I'm well-ish. Oh, Do you know what? Why? Uh, here's my here's my statement of the week. Yeah. I've entered into a new stage of Perry. Oh, God. It's not very nice. I don't like it. Don't you? No, I think I was sort of pretending for a while. <laughs> In denial. A complete bit. denial. Anyway, I'm embracing it. Are and you? then and you know what else I'm doing? Are you Is, enjoying sitting in a puddle or what? No, that's fine. It's nothing extreme, but I'm not going to ignore it. Mm. And I'm also not going to hide it. Right. Because we need this discussion to be out in the open. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I had this funny thing because I went to the <clears throat> this new GP and, you know, got some medication or something and then went to the um chemist, right? And he's yep. handing the box over the counter. He said, Are these for you? And I said, um, yeah. And he said, um, are you aware of how to take them? I'm like, um, yeah. She just said, you know, we're sort of quite casual. He goes, do you know you might have to be on these for the rest of your life? Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is, A, not the case anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. And so this whole covert thing going on, let's get out of the covert. Well, folks need to start talking about it too, don't they? Yeah. And did you hear actually yesterday mm. that there's this trial going on for male contraception? Yeah, I did. I that's heard a about bit that. exciting. Oh, God, that could be another episode. Mm. Now, listen. Anyway, that's me. What about you? We are. No, I'm BBBB2, started the new job, all of that. That's another whole story. But yeah. anyway, all yeah. good, all yeah. good. But I want to ask you, how's your emotional body feeling? My emotional body's really good, actually. I've just had the second child finish school forever. Yeah. And, you know, you get all this thing of, oh, how are you feeling? You know, is that emotional? It's, no, it's not. It's actually, it's it's this beautiful completion. Yeah. And this exciting sort of mode into the next life. No, I'm I'm in balance. Okay, good, good to hear. Yeah, you, you have an incredible lightness of being. Well, no, I've been sick, so but that's another whole story. But look, let's get our guest in because she is you're one... not miserable though. No, do I no. sound miserable? No, you're elated. No, yeah, I'm, you're I'm energized. See, we're in new phases. Okay, let me tell you about the beautiful Maria Papadontis. Mm. Okay, so she, uh, again, I always give the disclaimer up front, she's a yoga teacher of mine at my Because um, we only get studio. people in the, from Kath's network and oh, you yeah. not realise that. <laughs> so Mo- Moksha Yoga in Bentley, there's a shout out for them. And Maria does a beautiful practice every Wednesday morning that I try to get to, which is a gentle practice and it's very spiritual and it's lovely and she does readings and beautiful things. But apart from being a yoga teacher, Maria is also also a trauma-related specialist uh, and social worker, and we just thought we might get her on to talk a little bit about that because she's developed a very specific area of expertise around body work. Yeah, and again, like as we subscribe to here, Mm. overt, not covert. Yeah, that's it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, great. So, Maria, welcome to From the Hip. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. So lovely to see you on this day. Thank you for making yourself available. I know you've got a little one and times are tough. I do. But how That's old okay. is she? I mean, having a toddler, she's three, three and a half. So That's a good age. Time-wise, it is a good age, Fun. but you still don't get any time for you sort of. No, you, know. you don't. And apparently it doesn't change as they get older. No, darling, you're a parent for life. <laughs> so thank you very much. We do appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, that's terrific. So first things first, give me three words to describe Maria? Oh, boy. Um, passionate. Mm-hmm. Complicated. Mm-hmm. 
and very committed. They're nice words, aren't they? Beautiful words. My words for you would be creative, Mm. spiritual, and they would be mercurial. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So I I think you're a very interesting person. So now tell us a little (laughs) bit about your work. Obviously, you've been a social worker for some time. How did that come about and how did you decide to specialise in the area you are? So I've been a social worker for, I sometimes scare myself when I think about how long. So since I think I'd maybe 28 years or something like that. So it sort of scares me because I think, am I that old? But, yeah, I'm in my late 40s. So I've been a social worker for most of my life. And I think it sort of came about because you sort of, it's not random that we end up where we are. And so I have had a lot of different adversities in my life and and I call them adversities and I'll, and I'll explain that a little bit later but there's adversities in my life that sort of led to where I would be and things don't happen by chance because I didn't get into law and I wanted to get into law and I'm glad I didn't get into law and then I got into arts and I thought okay that's not it but what else can I do with an arts degree and I ended up doing social work which is exactly where I was meant to be and so I've been working in the field for a number of years in different areas, whether it was, you know, started off in crisis work and homelessness and then moved to drug and alcohol, so substance use, for many, many years. But everything had to do with the forensic system or the justice system. So I was working in the courts, I was working in the prisons, and then I took a hiatus, which we'll get to. But yes, I took a little bit will. of a break. We'll get to that one. But I took a little bit of a break. But all of the work that I was doing had to do with trauma. And so I think the trajectory of my career was always involved in trauma, always in adversity. So how the human experience is actually affected by what we experience in life. So it was an interesting path and it still continues to be an interesting path for me. What is the definition of trauma, because it seems to be a pretty broad church to me. And it's a word that we do use maybe too loosely. I don't know. What's what's your opinion about that? I think you're right. Um, because trauma, we can use it in very different ways. So you might hear someone say, oh, I watched that movie and I was traumatized. Mm, no, yeah. you weren't. You weren't traumatized by watching the movie. You were affected by the mm, movie. Yes, you, you were weren't affected. traumatized. Yeah. And that's a really important distinction because trauma is something that, so there's a number of definitions and trauma doesn't have a specific definition, but the way I see it is that we experience adversities in our life and they affect us. When they overwhelm our nervous system and then what happens inside of us is the trauma. So the event may not necessarily, yeah, so the event may not Mm. necessarily be the trauma, Mish. It's Mm. it's what happens inside of us Mm. and how then our system is overwhelmed and we're unable to manage or cope or find ways that we can deal with it. And it's not a choice. Yeah. No, that and that's fascinating because that takes us, it takes it immediately into the biological network versus a mental can a, a mental space or solely yeah, a mental space correct and I think it's you've hit the nail on the head and it is about it is a body experience so when we talk about soma soma is the body in Greek so mm. a somatic experience it's our own body's experience of how we actually manage or cope with something and it is our nervous system that is unable or overwhelmed in that moment and therefore what happens our nervous system goes into a stress response 
Right. And that's a coping mechanism. Our nervous system is there for only one reason, and that is to keep us alive. And when it is overwhelmed and it is unable to manage, it will go into and kick into the stress response, and it does it to keep you alive. So it's a body experience. So it's this concept of trapped emotions in the body. Tell me more about the somatic, the sort of evidence-based somatic therapy that you've really specialised in clearly in your work and your work as a yoga teacher in that program that you've developed. Historically, we thought that trauma is held in the mind, yeah? So we experience things cognitively, the way we think, the way we experience, the way we behave. It's based on how we think. So, but what more and more research is showing is that trauma and those emotions or that experience, I should say, is held in our body. So 80% of what goes to our brain comes from our body. So if we've experienced something in our life, an adversity or a trauma, it is held in our body and those messages move from our body up to our brain. 20% move from our brain down to our body. And so if you think about it in terms of therapy, if we're thinking 20% from our brain, why are we going to our brain when 80% is coming from our body? Mm. So more and more there's research out there that shows that, and there's some key people in the field like Bessel van der Kolk have written an amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score, and it is that. The body is keeping the score of all the adversities or traumas that we've experienced. So we move through the body to be able to access that trauma and to process or reprocess memories or trauma that we're holding. So if we came to you, so we yep. we ended up in your orbit, in your work orbit, how do you go about untrapping the emotions and tapping into that, that body work? What, what, well, what's the process? That's the long version. The short version mm-hmm. is, hi, Maria, what would happen if we came to see you? Yeah. <laughs> um, hi, Mish, what would happen is we would have a <laughs> bit of a chat about what brought you to this moment in this time of your life. So what is it that drove you to this particular point? And generally it's things that we feel like we're not coping or we're feeling stressed, we're not quite sure. We might have physical ailments as well because we know that when we experience trauma and it's held in the body, we actually have a lot of physical distress as well or physical pain. So often they're the drivers to actually for someone to come to to see me or another trauma therapist. We would go through an assessment, so having a bit of a discussion about what's happening, and that's a cognitive discussion. But then you'll notice in, in an assessment we all have different ways of holding our bodies, the way we look, the way we experience things. And so we're doing a body assessment at the same time and you're noticing how someone holds themselves or where their pain is or where their distress is or where the stress is. And so then we talk about, well, what is it that someone would like to see different in their lives? And from that point, then we have a number of different tools in our toolbox that we can utilise. More often than not, if you go straight to the cognitive part of the, the work, you're talking about what is the behaviour and how we can change it. Mm. And that puts a lot of onus <clears throat> and responsibility on the individual saying that you need to change your behaviour or you need to change something in your life. So what you're doing is wrong. But we know that we can't change our thinking unless we access through the body. And so if we're dysregulated, you'll hear those words in the trauma sort of field, if we're dysregulated or finding difficulty in um regulating our emotions your brain is not switched on at that point so we call it flipping the lid we actually don't oh, yeah. have our 
from and, the, and when the bucket happen. overflows, that sort of thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. you can't think cognitively in yeah. that moment. So mm. you, we, we do what we call bottom-up approaches. So bottom-up is coming through the body to influence and impact and to regulate or top-down, which is through the brain. And there's different ways that we can do that. I generally work from the body up and then go to the cognitive The other thing I wanted to comment on is that physical thing of trauma. If you tap into that, it's so powerful. Like if you can get cognitive awareness of what the hell is this, you know, needly thing going on in my Mm -hmm. arm and it happens every November, then it's pretty, that's pretty powerful stuff. It is, Mish. It's powerful. And what you're referring to is what we talk about in the field as interoception. So we have this um, experience that we call the inner felt experience, which is an interoceptive experience, and it's noticing what happens inside. And we often um, refer to it as a sensation. We feel something. You know when you say you've got butterflies in your stomach, so that's nervousness or anxiousness. We have a heaviness in our chest because we're feeling sad or whatever it might be. So that's noticing what's happening internally. But as a society and as a community, we actually don't allow ourselves to go into that space Mm. because Mm. our life is so fast-paced. We're not really attuned to ourselves, let alone our environment. Mm. So when we're not attuned to ourselves, when we get that tingling sensation that you're talking about on your Mm. arm or my Mm. leg is hurting, for example, I ignore it. So I ignore it. It's a pain in my arm. And it's like, yeah, that's there because I went to the gym. Well, if it's there and it's recurring on and on and on, there's something happening there. And if we're not listening or attuning to our own interoceptive experience, we're missing the cues that our body's telling us. And so then we go to, oh, I'm going to go to the physio and then I'm going to go to the acupuncturist and then I'm going to go to the osteo, which are all valid. But if we step back from that just for a moment and say, okay, what am I noticing? How does the practice differ from kinesiology, like a kinesiology type approach, if you're mapping? Because you sort of it's body mapping a bit, isn't it? There's a, is it? there is a there is a little bit of body assessment. So it, there's different ways. So you can do a body psychotherapeutic assessment, which is looking at how your body is responding to things. Kinesiology, from my understanding, and I'm not um, so so clued up with kinesiology but it is an energetic experience as well and so you can look at that from a somatic point of view but more so with somatic work you're looking at that interoceptive experience of noticing your own sensations a really easy way to explain it is you know having children you know when they're sitting at the table and you're like eat and they're like no I've finished I'm full no eat and you're like you're forcing that kind of experience, their interoceptive experience in that moment is telling them that I am full. Mm. But as an external, we're saying, no, you're not. So we're overriding their inner felt sense and we're telling them to eat. So then as they grow up, we're actually overriding their own their own experience of knowing what's happening for them. And as a society, we do that in a lot of different realms. So when you move into that space, when you get to adulthood, you're like, mm, I don't know what I'm feeling inside as a mm. sensation. Mm. And so then I ignore it. So kinesiology taps into that a little bit, but also taps into the energetic side of things. Mm. So that's where obviously this is so relevant in your yoga practice and and how you've developed this somatic-based yoga teacher training. Because obviously what we do at yoga is a lot about awareness and mindfulness and being mindful about 
what is happening in our body, right? Correct. And so the course that I developed um, is called Somatic Based Trauma Yoga, and we utilize a lot of body-based approaches to the work that we do. So when you come to a yoga practice, though, there's an expectation that you can be, be mindful. Yeah. And you can sit in stillness. If you have experienced, though, adversity or trauma in your life, sitting in stillness can be really unsafe. It can be really frightening. Mm. And so you might notice that, oh, I, I don't know why I can't sit still. I don't know why this is feeling uncomfortable. I don't know what that is, but there's something happening for me. It's because your nervous system in that moment is telling you that there's something not going right. So usually it's, mm. it's an unsafeness that I'm feeling. The nervous mm. system doesn't doesn't distinguish between what that is, whether it's a tiger coming towards you mm. or whether it's a tone of voice or the lighting is dim and it makes me feel unsafe. And so when you come to yoga and you're, you know, there's that expectation of sitting in stillness and mindfulness, there's, there's different ways. So a breath practice is a bottom-up approach. So you're going from the body. Mm. But if you're finding your environment is threatening in any way and it's not a cognitive experience, it's a somatic experience, you're not going to be able to sit to breathe. And so you find that your breathing is not there. You can't find that awareness. If we go into mindfulness, that's a top-down approach. So, again, mm. if your body's not feeling safe and you're expecting someone to use their cognition, they're unable to. So one mm. of the experiences you might notice is in a yoga class that someone is lying in Shavasana, which is that the end shape where we rest, they're fidgety, they're moving around, they need to move, they need to get up because their nervous system is telling them that they are unsafe. Yeah, wow. So, yeah, it's really powerful to notice. And as a teacher, um, watching this in a class, it's really my responsibility to modify what I'm doing Mm. and to actually support everyone in a different way. And so Mm. my experience as a social worker and a somatic Um, based therapist is really noticing and I think that's what makes the difference in my classes is I'm able to bring in the variations or the modifications through noticing what people are doing through their little interactions with themselves with the environment with others and so you modify the practice to be able to support that experience wow that's interesting so fascinating so powerful so fascinating so given all that Maria do you limit the numbers in your classes there's no cap on the numbers, but I'm through the years of experience, I'm pretty good at picking up people's experiences because mm. of my therapeutic side. Mm. I don't think I could do that if I didn't have that therapeutic mm. experience, yeah. to be honest myth. with you. Because sometimes yeah. there's it's maybe, I think there's myth. like 28 people sometimes. I think right. max number, isn't it? Capacity, yeah. 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 So that's a lot of, of that's a lot of. And a lot of observation. Mm, massive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's such a fabulous It's my own trajectory. trauma that comes into it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's my own trauma. So when you've experienced adversity, you, you can notice things. And yeah. I think that's yeah. a, an important skill to have as that's a really teacher, but as a therapist. That's so true because mm. you have, yeah, you are more attuned. You've you've got to the raw. It's there. No, and, and I think mm. one of the things is I, I often say this, I, I eat, sleep, live trauma really and it's oh, um you know, i know it's exhausting <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty exhausting but it's also when i say that it's about everything that i do all my work because i have different elements of work mm. is related to that you know how do i support the body how do i support my body i don't often listen to mine either so you know we're all in the same boat yeah and i never pretend to say that oh i'm i'm on this pedestal and i know how to do it it's more about i'm living this experience with 
the people that I work with at the same time. And I think that lived experience and moving through a journey of walking alongside someone mm. is what makes the difference. Totally. It's not saying I'm beyond it or I'm above it or I'm outside of it. Is It's about walking alongside someone. And that's also in a yoga class. It's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open with, you know, my practice isn't always there either. And it's about yeah. how do we support the little things that we can do to support ourselves in that in that path. The one thing that I always say, guys, is we ourselves have to do our own work. So I go yeah. to therapy. Yeah. You know, and if I yeah. don't, then it's not going to work because then no, I've exactly. you know, got my own shit. Yeah, so I right. need to deal with my own stuff yeah. to be able to do what I do. And and whether that's a yoga practice or a breath practice or whatever yeah. it might be, it's yeah. also about, you know, what is the work that I have to do to deal with my own Absolutely. adversity, trauma, whatever you want to call it. So That's interesting because Mish and I have talked a lot over the course of this podcast about doing the work. Obviously, mm. originally we started this looking at life through the lens of separation and divorce. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of work that has to be done and a lot of reflecting and a lot of learning and a lot of sitting yeah. and thinking. And I, th- I feel pretty confident that we're in pretty good shape. I've got some friends who are just starting to do the work and it's hard. It's mm. really hard. It but it's it got to be done to, to live a well, it's happy just re- and, so and rewarding life. and yeah. liberating. Yeah. And that thing yeah. also you speak about, you know, in that walking alongside as well so that, it's obviously not the same experience, but having that shared experience, they can yeah. get that you get it. Oh, and feel supported. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm a, I'm a big It's holding that space. Work. It's holding the space for yourself, but being able to hold that for someone else. You don't have to do something all the time. No. And we don't, we often go into that fix it mode, but we can, yeah. we can walk alongside someone and just not be. just, but be there. Now, obviously, part of this um, body-based stuff is around some rituals. Do you have some rituals that you practice? Being a parent of a three-year-old, probably not as many as I would hope. But what I have started doing more is I have a breath practice. Mm. So I might not be able to have a full-on yoga practice all the time, but I have a breath practice. Mm. And that involves, so there's different ways you can use breath, and that's a bottom-up approach. Yep. And so when your exhale is longer than your inhale, you're tapping into the restful or the restorative side of your nervous system. And when you sigh out, from your mouth, you're also doing the same thing. So it accesses that part of your nervous system, which allows you to calm. So one of my breath practices is at the end of the day, I will sit and I will breathe in through my nose and exhale from my mouth like I'm sighing out. So I do that religiously. It is a ritual. It is a practice of mine. I will also do small movements at the end of the day. So whether that might be some body-based releasing into what we refer to as the vagus nerve, which is a whole different conversation, but we have this nerve that regulates our parasympathetic nervous system which is our resting side mm. and I'll do a few practices in regards to that one of them is really simple it's it's eye movement another one is moving your spine in a way where it accesses the the vagus nerve so I, they're my rituals at the end of the day mm. well interestingly at yoga this morning we did a humming breath Oh, excellent. It was so much fun. And I thought yes. I'm going to try and incorporate that in my, yeah. that, because uh, Rachel explained too that it, it helps with breathing and with hay yes. fever and asthma and stuff. And I'm an asthmatic and I had a very bad attack last week and haven't been yeah. well this week. And of course, all the pollen counts high. So I thought I'm going to really try and do that. I mean, I'll probably drive the whole, you know, office unit block crazy because I'll think, what the hell is that humming noise? She doesn't bloody stop humming. But but the the humming, Kath, 
which is interesting, is what the humming does is that vibration yeah. goes to that vagus nerve. So mm. the vagus nerve is your parasympathetic side of the nervous system. So that's what it's doing. It's accessing the vagus nerve. Well, it was fa- well. I'm going to Vegas, baby, because I'm going to <laughs> Vegas. Um, because actually, everyone in the class said uh, look, look, they really got into it. Like Helen said, "Oh my God, I really lost myself in that humming thing." I said, yeah. "Wasn't it bloody great? It was very present. You know, like it was powerful. It was terrific." So that's going to be one of my rituals. So there Absolutely. we go. Now tell me about Greece when you lived in Greece and what were you social working there? Were you yogaring? What were you doing? First I'll say I ran away. Okay. <laughs> so oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, was this a, detail, is, detail. Is chronology Mitch. No, 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 it's not chronology. It's not it was it a run away or was it taking a leap of faith? Oh no, nah, it was running away. All right. It was okay. We'll plastic right away. Oh well. I, oh, that's a good question. But at one point in my career, I thought, you know, I've had enough. It was, I was saturated in terms of what I was doing. And every time I've gone back to Greece, so my background is Greek, um, I felt like I was home. And so everything sort of led to this experience in 2009 where I just went, yep, I'm done. I'm out of here. So I actually went to Greece and I lived there for eight years. And I didn't social work whilst I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, that's when I did my yoga teacher training and I opened my own studio. So I had a yoga studio in Greece. Whereabouts and so my in Greece were you? Different. So I was in a, a, a smallish, small town um, called Vedia, which is up north. So it's a, it's close to Thessaloniki. Okay. So up yeah. north. Up north. Yeah. And you've just been back to Greece for a holiday. How is I it have. when you go back now? I have this thing where I'm on the plane and I'm waiting to get off. You have that image of getting off the plane and bowing down and kissing the earth when you get there. So Greece never disappoints. It's an experience that is close to my my heart. It is home for me. I actually feel like I'm home there. And it is a somatic, it's a body experience. When I land, I can breathe. Mm. And um yeah, it's it's a beautiful experience to have. So Greece never disappoints. It's beautiful everywhere you go. It doesn't matter where you go. It is yeah. stunning. Yeah. And do you think yeah. you'll ever end up back there? What brought you back to Australia? You ran back home. In well, a way. Which home? Which <laughs> well, home? Wow. Which, which home? home? One so, yeah, one of my homes. And so, Tullamarine's um, a bit less less relaxed than Athens Airport, I've got to say. As absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Mm. The the relaxed state of the Athens Airport is, is so still great. a little bit concerning. It's fantastic. <laughs> no, I love it. It's not just a I train know, station or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're a bit better now. They're a bit better. But okay. Thessaloniki is still, in, still not so um, progressed as Athens. But yeah. what brought yeah. me home is the um, deciding to have a family. So yeah. uh, a little bit different in terms of raising children here as opposed to Greece, but I do hope to get back there at one stage of my life. God, I would love to come and do yoga with you in Greece. How yeah, beautiful I'm coming would to that be? We're so all much going. Fun. Mm, yeah. We're all going so to Vegas and yoga mm. and uh, in well, Greece. We might and we'll hum all the way. Street. We can hum on the plane. Rock and roll and humming all the way. Absolutely. You'll oh, be that... humming and you're having a coffee at the same time in Greece because that's the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. And you did mention to me, Maria, that when you get to Greece, you want to kiss the ground and have a, yep. a coffee and a ciggy. And a- Everyone smokes in Greece. Yeah. You can't have a coffee without a cigarette and that's the whole experience. Yeah. However, I did not do that. I 
did practically kiss the earth and I did have a coffee. So the, the ciggies are out. Yeah, good girl. Well done, you. Well, listen, I think that's been fascinating oh, conversation. I think we almost want you back. I think we Keep do. Having another chat. I feel like we've just literally scratched yeah, the surface. Yeah, totally. But what I think we should do, Maria, is maybe get some reference on some books or uh, yeah, some links. Like the book that, you mentioned. Yeah, the, mm. and, and so people Absolutely. can do some of their own research on what somatic-based therapy is and really understand that body trapping emotions i and just think obviously it's to your practice as well we are we put the links up on the website yeah so we'll we'll get all those the show together. notes the show notes yeah. and our dinner yeah. and a show yeah. so it's been absolutely fascinating yeah, to have you, you. I, I do feel like we could talk all day yeah. and uh, i do know you've got a three and a half year old who's wanting you i'm sure but thank you so much for coming thank on you. I, I just think you know it's tough work, social work, and particularly I, I imagine in that trauma space. And um, you look after you, right? Thank you. I will, and it's been an absolute pleasure. And I think we've just touched the surface, so yeah. it would be lovely to talk again. Yeah, let's do some more next year. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Absolutely, let's delve. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, you too. That See you later, guys. Really great. So I think that was incredible. Amazing. Isn't it? I just and feel bloody like scratched the surface. There was I was just going, can I, I just want to ask this, ask this, ask this, ask this. I know. Yeah. It's really fascinating stuff. And I just think that whole concept of of trauma and emotion being trapped in your body and, oh, and releasing so, it is just extraordinary. So relatable. But yeah. I also think what was really powerful in that too was the distinction between effect and trauma. Mm. I think we have to be mm. well mindful about how we use those words mm. diligently. And the adversity. That yeah. I think that's so powerful as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay. All right, my lovelies. Thank you. Uh yes, from the thanks. hip underscore podcast. Uh on Facebook at From the Hip. We've got lots going on. Uh we're gonna be back in December. Yeah, we've got one more app for one more twenty two and then we're gonna have a big plan for 2023 which we want you all on board absolutely and uh we're going gangbusters gangbusters Mm. anyway my love you have a good day thanks enjoy your weekend yeah beautiful to talk to maria and i think we should get her on again and just delve a bit deeper into that let's do that brilliant okay all right darling Bye. bye